Would you go to Psalm 126 with me tonight? Psalm 126. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Very familiar passage. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Look closely at it and help me fill in some blanks, would you? Verse 5 says, They that sow in what? Tears. Tears shall reap in what? Joy. Joy. He that goeth forth and what? Weepeth, bringing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Weeping brings joy. That doesn't make sense to us. How does crying bring joy? My kids asked me that one time. I, I, I had a couple issues with blood clots a few years ago. Ended up in the intensive care unit for six, seven days at a time, for twice. And it changed me. It changed me. I, I wasn't a real crier before. I've always had a soft spot for certain things, but I, I just, I've become very emotional. Men who have heart attacks become very emotional. It just changes something in a man. And, and I don't know what it is, but I, I become very emotional. And it's not, it's not hard for me today to, to become very emotional about certain things. I become emotional about family. I, I think of my girls tonight and my, my grandkids that live in St. Thomas with us, and, and I get emotional. I love them. I, 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 they're so precious to me. I, I've been away from them for a while, and I want to see them. And I, I talked to my son today. He just moved out to Nevada. And I, I love my son, and, and I think about him, and he's out there, and he's not with his family, and he's starting a new life out there. And I get emotional. And I get emotional when I think about people that I know that don't know Christ. And you know what makes me most emotional? When I think about how little effort I put into their salvation sometimes. Neighbors and friends and family that that don't yet know Christ. This, This passage tells us that they that sow in tears shall, shall reap in joy. I wonder tonight if we understand the word doubtless. Doubtless shall, that's contractual. Without doubt, come again without rejoicing or with rejoicing. Let's take a look at why I believe we are not weeping tonight quickly. Number one, few are going. Few are going. He that goeth forth, that word's in such a way that some aren't going near or far. Are you going? Are you going? Who's the last person that you talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ? What's their name? Where do they work? What's their situation? Did you have one? When's the last time? You say, well, it was was about a year ago. They that goeth forth weeping. When's the last time you went to that person that, that, that you thought of tonight, that you envisioned tonight, and went to them and said, listen, I can't bear it anymore. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you tonight. I've got to know that you're saved. I've got to, I've got to know that you know Christ. I've got to spend eternity without you. How can heaven be, be fulfilled if you're not there? When, when's the last time, kids, you went to Papa and, and, and Nana and said, Papa, Poppy, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to know Jesus. When's the last time, son, you went to your mother, you went to your dad, said, Dad, I know we've talked about this. I know you don't want to hear about it. I can't stand it anymore, Dad. I believe this with all my heart. And I want you to know Christ. I have a son-in-law. Both of my son-in-laws came to our church. They, they were, one was just a fairly new Christian. One wasn't even saved. 
And the one that wasn't saved came. He's a native young man. He's a full-blooded Ojibwe Indian. And he, he started coming to our church with his mom and, and, and stepfather who got saved and got excited in our church and just on fire. And they got baptized and he came for the baptism. And he came back the next Sunday because he heard we had volleyball. He wanted to play, and so he came and played Monday, and he came the next Sunday, and he played volleyball, and he came the next Sunday. And after about six months, he came, and he said, Preacher, he said, I believe that you believe what you're preaching. I believe that you really believe that there's only one way to heaven, there's only one God, and there's only one way to God, and that's Jesus Christ. I believe that you believe that. I said, I do. He goes, I want that same kind of belief. Would you lead me to Christ? Amen. Man, I love him to Christ. Man, he's saved and baptized and discipled and growing in our church. It's awesome. Who would you weep with tonight that they might know Christ? Can I tell you why I think fewer people today are taking advantage and an active role in trying to win others to Christ? We pay our staff to do that. You have an incredible staff here. you got the Dodds and Pastor Shoecraft. you got a great staff here. And there may be some in this church that think, well, you know, we pay them a good wage and they've gone to Bible school and they're really the professionals. They know how to do it and they've got a boldness that I lack and they're prepared to go and they want to go and they're excited about going. And, well, you know, I do a lot of work and I'm doing a lot of overtime and I get a little nervous and I lack a little boldness. And, well, they know the scriptures way better than I do. We pay them to do it. Or we've raised up a generation not to offend anyone. Don't offend anyone. Don't, don't, don't say anything about uh, their uh, sexual preference. Don't say anything about their religion. Don't say anything about uh, 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 what they believe about this. And it was, everybody be happy. Everybody loving. Don't point anybody out. Just don't, don't center anybody. Don't make anybody uncomfortable. And the gospel makes people uncomfortable. Amen. Not We've had bomb threats at Bering Presidency Canada. We've had people, because we put a John and Romans in their mailbox, say, if I ever see you, I will kill you. Wow, for putting a pamphlet in your box, for telling you the hope of eternal life. There are some like that. We become a discouraged, we become discouraged with the minimal results and we quit. When I was a kid, you knock on a door, people say, come on in, uh, sit down, have, have a cup of coffee, have, a, have some tea. And they would, go to the, they would go to the refrigerator and in the icebox, they would get a little package out, little little rectangular package, and in that was one of the most delicious desserts of all time. How many of you remember Sara Lee cakes? Those things had a shelf life of 210 years. You take that out of the freezer, it would thaw in about 10 minutes. I think, there was, I think there was only vanilla and chocolate. That's the only odd things I ever had. And everybody had them because if you, somebody showed up, you didn't want to get caught off guard and not have something for them. Now, today, you've got to plan a month in advance, get the time, get permission, get a parking place. You got to do all. We used to show up and say, hey, we're from Bible Baptist Church. Can we tell you about the Lord? Yeah, come on in. Not today. Now you go up and you push the little button. Ding dong. Yes, what do you want? I'm from Bible Baptist. We don't want it. Oh, okay. Go to the next door. Go to the next door. You start talking to people about work, they go and report you to HR. You go to school and start talking about Christ. The principal says, hey, you can't talk about that stuff here. You get in the neighborhood and people start complaining to the HOA. And we don't see people saved like we used to. And we get discouraged. And we quit. We somehow have turned the responsibility of leading the lost to Christ into the action 
of the more experienced, the church, through its services and activities and outreach. We, we don't need to personally talk to people. We'll bring them to church, Pastor, and, and you'll put on a, a great choir presentation at Christmas, and, and you'll do something for Father's Day and Mother's Day, and through those, we'll get them to come to church. And, and you know, they do come. They come once or twice, and then they realize oh, all they want is to preach to me. And we say, well, our job is done. We got them to church. But that's not what our text tells us. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed. We've got church out of order. Church, really, in its finest point, is not for the lost. It's for the saved. Those who get saved come and join those who are saved. And they present themselves as a testimony in baptism that they've trusted Christ and they join the church. Now, there's nothing wrong with using the church evangelistically. I did it. I will do it. If we can get people to come and hear the gospel, I'm all for it. But if you say, all I've got to do is get them to church, you're mistaken. The job of leading others to Christ is the responsibility of every one of us. I don't care if you're 10, 20, 60, or 90. The responsibility is ours. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I am not going to feel a responsibility to every creature in these countries until I feel a responsibility to those in my country that I can see and know and talk to and visit with and understand their spiritual life. It's the command of Christ for every believer to introduce to everyone the saving work and the power of Christ. Who did you introduce to Jesus this week? Who? If no one, we should be weeping. We should be weeping. Another reason we're not weeping, few are sowing. Few are sowing. Bearing, our, our text says, bearing precious seed. Bearing means to lift up, to advance, to cast, and that precious means costly seed. Luke 8, 11 tells us the seed in this case is the word of God. We're, we're bearing the, the, the precious word of God. It's not the going that brings the harvest. It's the seed sown that brings the harvest. Amen. It's not going out into the field that brings the harvest. It's pu- putting the seed into the ground that brings the harvest. And many of us go about our lives and we, re- we live the Christian life and we think, well, people can see we're Christians and they hear we're Christians and, and they understand we're Christians. That's great. But until we plant the seed of the word of God in their hearts, we are not going to see a harvest. Amen. Who's the last person you shared the word of God with? I said, I got to show you something. For God so loved the world. That's you. He gave his only begotten son. Now, I'll tell you today, I don't start with John 3.16 anymore. I start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. Today, people don't understand there's a God. That's why they're so, uh, so rebellious. That's why they're so hard-hearted to that. So that's why they struggle with the things of God, because they don't realize there's a God. Right. We introduce them to God and say, hey, there's somebody in this world that loves you. There's somebody who wants to take the pain of your life. There's someone who wants to take the, the hurt of your life. There's somebody who wants to love you unconditionally. There's someone who wants to change the things of your life and give you a peace and a hope that this world doesn't even understand. we got to sow. Does a farmer who plants his crop without crying get a yield? Yes. So why then God, what does God say in our text? He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. It's the precious seed that makes the difference. It's the word of God, not just our presence in this world. Amen. It's talking about spreading the word of God and that cast without weeping does not bring the same return. Those that weep feel such a burden, they must go. They will go. They have no option but to go. 
Christian, when's the last time you were that moved to take the gospel to another? When's the last time you were that moved to take it and support a mission on a mission field? When's the last time you said, hey, God, there are people in those countries that are prepared to give their lives. There was a man we saw this morning who was imprisoned and beaten and hung upside down and all of those things, and, and he was willing to go and live for Christ. And, and maybe we do need that kind of persecution in our country. Maybe we need to find out if, if salvation is real in our lives. I love what he said. Are they, are they saved? How could they not be a testimony? How could they not tell others? How could they not be prepared to do that? I'll tell you why. Because we've been pampered. Man, we've been, we've been put in the lap of luxury spiritually. We forgot the cost of our salvation. I believe finally the reason few are weeping today is because few are showing. How real is hell to most Christians today? We don't, we don't hear much preaching on hell anymore. I, I'm sure you do, but boy, we need those old fire brimstone hell messages we need that and not for the lost preacher for the saved to be reminded that it's real that those people that you thought of today are going to perish and spend eternity in a place of torment where a man cried out oh but a drop of water on my tongue for just a second of relief it's real if heaven's real hell's got to be real is hell a literal place of eternal torment of the soul? Yes, it's a literal place of torment, eternal fire, gnashing of teeth, weeping and wailing, darkness, and a separation from God. And someone you know without having been saved is going there. Are you showing through our weeping the loss, the severity of sin, the severity of hell, the salvation for the soul, and the simplicity of God's gospel and the sadness of your heart? Tonight I'm going to get a young man to help me. I'm going to get Maddox to help me tonight. Max is a good guy. He's got great parents. I love the shoe crafts. I'm so glad they've joined the staff of your church. Maddox, how you doing, buddy? Good. How old are you? Eight. Eight years old. Put your hand right there. There you go. Squeeze a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Good job. You're a good-looking boy. You know that? Girls probably love you around here, don't they? Yeah, yeah sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight years old. I want to demonstrate with Maddox what I've been saying tonight. Kind of bring it all together for you, and we'll close. Let's envision tonight that we've had church tonight. It's been awesome. Pastor kind of set me up for this tonight. We've had church and we've had a great time of fellowship. And, you know, you get busy and his parents are busy and they're shaking hands and, and taking care of staff things and helping pastor and helping people in the church. And, and they get in the car and they, they head home. And guess what? They forget Maddox. <laughs> now, that's never happened. Your parents have never forgot you at church, have they? Once. Once, Yeah. <laughs> Come here, Maddox. I love you, man. It's okay. I love you, Maddox. I love you. Okay. I'll watch out for you, son. And I don't even know you. I love you. Okay. It happens. We left our daughter at church one time. We, we were down in Florida. We, we were heading out to go somewhere, and we get in the car, and I've got three kids. You should be able to keep track of three, right? But sometimes it's hard. And our youngest, Allison, she's a wanderer. So, so we're getting ready. Come on, everybody, get in the car. And we all go, and we get down the road. And I say, hey, Allison. Allison. And my kids don't say a word. They're in the car. They don't say a word. My wife's sitting up the front. I said, quit nodding around, Allison. And they said, Dad, she's not here. I said, what? She's not here. Man, we run back to the resort. We run to the room. We run in. And here's Allison sitting on the potty. Got a magazine, feet, just a cooking. I said to my wife, what are you doing? <laughs> I didn't dare say that. <laughs> we loved her. 
And Maddox gets left at church. Hey, no problem. We'll come back and get him. But his mom and dad turn to come back. They hear a fire truck go streaming by them. And their heart stops for just a second because somebody's in trouble. And, and, and they, they get ready to go, and all of a sudden an ambulance goes screaming by, and a police car goes screaming by, another fire truck goes screaming by. They think, oh, man, something bad's happened. And they make the U-turn, and they come around, and they look, and there's a glow in the sky. And they don't think much of it until they start coming down the, the road, and they see those fire truck lights, and they, they see the flame of that building, and they realize that building is this church. And they don't have Maddox. And they get up to the church and they realize Maddox isn't on the outside. He's not around. And they look and, and, they, and they listen and they hear. And, and here's a little boy. He's trapped and he's, he's trying to find a way out. And the fire is in that foyer area. Where, where's he going to go? And he comes to these doors and he tries, but he can't get them open. They're, they're hot to the touch and the smoke is getting dark and he's panging. Mom, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, I'm in here, I'm in And mom and dad are at the front and and the noise, the crackling of the flame and all those things. They have a hard time. And he runs to the window and he begins to look out the window, but he can't see the stained glass. And he begins pounding, mommy, daddy, I'm in here. I'm in here. And pretty soon the flames are beginning to engulf the building. Mr. and Mrs. Showcraft show up and they see that little boy's in that building. They hear his cries. And they they wonder, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and I'm in the parking lot. I'm just, I'm just putting my stuff together. And, 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 I, and I come up and I say, what's going on? And they say, Maddox is in there. We've got to get him out. And Brother Shoecraft says, Brother Stone, would you give me a hand? We've got to get something. Bust this door down. Get my son or bust those windows. and get, get my son out. And I say, well, listen, I'd like to. But I'm kind of busy. And, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not a firefighter. I'm not a trained professional. And, and I'm afraid that I might do something that would bring greater harm if I try to get involved. So I think I'm just going to step aside and let the professionals do it. You know, maybe, maybe if we could get him to come to the firemen, that would help. And Dustin is out of his mind. That's my boy. That's my boy. And Mrs. Shoecraft, she, she's, she's out of her mind with grief. That's our boy. That's our boy. Please help us. Please help us. And I say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I just, I just can't help. And I walk away. What would you think of me? You think, that, that rotten, no good preacher. He'll never preach in this church again. We used to have a respect for our Canadian friends, but I've lost all respect to think he could help get that little boy out. Can I say tonight that there are people in your life who are lost and dying and, and they have no hope of getting out of hell without some kind of assistance. And tonight they're banging, they're, they're crying, they're saying, listen, I, I, I have no peace. I have no contentment. I, I, I'm slave to a bottle. I'm ready to take my own life. Please help me. And we say, I'm kind of busy. I, I, I'll wait till the firemen get here. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to have a special program that will help you. But that's not what they need. 
If I was in this vicinity and I knew that little boy was in this church, I would do what you do. I would bust through here. I'd say to the fireman, you spray me. You spray me down with water. I'm going in there. I say, you're not going in there, sir. You're not going there. I said, listen, I will give up my life to save that little boy. I'm going to find him. I, I know his parents and I love them. And I would see the grief on their face. And I'd say, listen, I'm an older man and I've lived my life. And that little boy is precious. You hose me down. You give me a suit. You give me something. I'd come in here and I'd yell, Maddox, Maddox, where are you, Maddox? Maddox, get down low. Get out of the smoke, Maddox. Come to my voice, Maddox. Come to my voice. And I'd feel around. It'd be pitch black. I'd feel around. I'd listen for his voice. I'd listen for that cry. And I'd grab hold of that boy and I'd sweep him up and I would run for the door to get him out. Right? Who do you know tonight that's Maddox? Who in your family tonight is Maddox? And would you tonight weep for just a moment? And say, oh, God, Maddox, you can be seated, buddy. Thank you. Oh, God, my mom's not saved. God, my daddy's not saved. My boy's not saved. My daughter's not saved. My wife's not saved. And God, I'm broken tonight. And I can't sleep tonight. I can't rest this week until I know that they've heard the gospel. I don't want their blood on my hands. Then I'll do all that I can. And I know that they must receive themselves. And I can't force them. But God, I want to give them an entrance out. I want to give them the help tonight. I want to bust that door open. I want to give an opportunity for them to get out of this building. I want them to be free from eternity of damnation. Why aren't we weeping? Why aren't we weeping? We know this world is in desperate state. We know the coming of Christ has got to be soon. Why aren't we weeping? Why aren't we standing in our pews tonight, tears dripping down our eyes? Could it be that we don't care? Could it be that we're not concerned? Could could it be that we, we just don't have some boldness? Could it be that we've lost sight? Could it be as long as we're safe and we're okay, then that's all that really matters? Why aren't we weeping? Why aren't we weeping?